0: Welcome to Ananta Shesha podcast.
1: This is your host, Emily. And I am Emily's co-host, Bimbo. And we are here to discuss some Vedic conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first episode, so we're like, we're jumping right in we're jumping right in it's maybe a little rusty but that's okay it's time yeah
0: definitely (laughs) overdue i think it's overdue but it is a little different yeah sorry go ahead well i was saying like it's a little different to start it during mercury retrograde but something new
1: Oh yeah, I'm I I'm impressed because you really like made it happen. I've been thinking about doing a podcast for forever and I've never really done it. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And I was thinking like it would might it might be a good idea to give a little bit of background just a little bit on like who we are and like our I don't know, just like what we're studying, I guess. Yeah, that's a great
0: idea most people are going to be like okay Kimbo and emily <laughs> okay so i have some background with jyotish vedic astrology i am currently taking the sol course with freedom cole freedom cole is a longtime uh vedic astrologer if you're familiar with um, Vedic astrology which you're here so you must be then you more than likely know who he is and so yes this is uh, a long time traditional type of style through Sri Chidananda Das that I am currently learning also I would like to give some a lot of the credit to PT Prashant Trivedi who is a Vedic master and has well for one that's really how me and Bimbo kind of got together and started thinking about this podcast in a way but yeah so that's just a little bit of my background about how much I know of Vedic astrology. And some of you may also know me by my handle, Energy is Truth, from Twitter. So,
1: yes. 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 So, I, yeah. So, so Emily and I, um, I'm Didbo. <laughs> Um and Emily and I um, met connected on twitter and it's interesting because um we actually the the real reason we started talking is freedom cole because even though i'm not enrolled in his jayotish course i have like been like i like auditing (laughs) quote auditing his class via his like youtube lectures from 2013 for a year like a couple years basically since 2020 i was just like glued to that like over and over glued to the argola lectures glued to the Arudalagna lectures, mostly in the Karakamsa as well. And I um, wanted to talk about argula, which is this really advanced, mysterious uh, technique for for ages. And Emily was the only one who would would take me up on it. And so that's really a handful of others. (laughs) I can't take the full credit and be like, it was only me. There was maybe a few others but no well you're the only person that was willing to talk talk to me about it at that level so most people don't want to talk to me at the level of obsession that i that i have so um so i really i mean it's really valuable to me um and and then we joined um we got connected with lotus ocean which is prashant trivedi's um would you call it an ashram or I don't know exactly how to phrase that, but but Prash Trivedi, the bird tribe. Oh yeah, yeah. So. But, but what's interesting is Prashtra Vedi really was my introduction to Vedic astrology years and years ago when I discovered his nakshatra book at a used bookstore. And then I kind of put it away because I realized how mathematical it was and I just wasn't ready. And also no one knew, no one was really talking about the sidereal zodiac then. So it was really a mindfuck for me to have be so into tropical astrology and trying to process sidereal zodiac and all that so anyway put it away got back into it um in around 2020 and here we are now so so yeah I would say my I'm a huge like nerd I love astrology I've always been studying it I've always been trying to figure it out I consider myself a researcher mostly and I definitely believe that like we should be mindful of the rumors and narratives that we spread when it comes to astrology so, um, and that's a big reason that I resonate with Pastor Trevetti because I really think he doesn't, um, he really doesn't humor a lot of like um, stories that aren't useful and aren't like actionable and really helpful to people. So anyway, yeah. I guess that's enough about me. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was beautiful. A lot of that I wouldn't fully agree with, especially the last part of uh, PT and, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the talking gossip can get a little out of hand, <laughs> especially on Twitter. But for the most part, I think it's coming from a good place. Just, a, you know, a lot of misunderstandings happen.
1: Yeah, I th- well, I think that's kind of like what's interesting, because I think that fantasy and fiction, like, that's what makes life interesting is stories. And that's why we have mythology. And so it's not to say, so it's natural in a way to come up with stories, because really, like, what is a fact? What is a fiction, you know, like, things get blurry. And you have to kind of lie a little bit every time you open your mouth, you know? And that's why I think for me, it's not about like what's true or what's not true. It's about what's ha- what are my words doing right now? Like what is the impact of my words going to be? Because everything I'm saying could be wrong at any point. And so then what kind of effect is what I'm saying going to have? So that's kind of more how I see that. And I love the convert I love Twitter because it has opened up the conversation. So it's like anyone can say anything. It's not it's not just one person's nonsense. It's everyone's nonsense. And everybody can disagree and fight. and I think it's amazing. I really do. I love it, yeah,
0: yeah I, I fully agree with that. I think the the age that we're in now, the internet age where, We have the capability to know this knowledge and have this knowledge right at fingertips, and to be able to discuss it with everyone around the world. It's something that was something that freedom was actually talking about um, not Mm -hmm. so long ago, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and just how we're we're actually so lucky, so blessed to be Mm -hmm. able to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. I agree, and also, I mean, I don't know if it's the Gemini in me, but I love the opportunity to ask people like, what is your experience? This this old text says this, what, uh, what do the actual like Aries moons or whatever say about it? Just to really, so I'm not telling people or trying to regurgitate information that I don't have personal experience with but I can actually get data. I think that for me, that's huge, it's really helpful.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, so. I think we should just jump right in. So first you said you wanted to discuss a little bit about
1: Arla. Well, no, no, I don't think we're ready to talk about Arla. I I would love to. Actually, can I just say first, I think that this would be a really cool, because Emily is like, an actual student who actually has like teachers and I'm like kind of like a rogue person that doesn't have one teacher (laughs) but like obsessively studies and I really like to hunt around for answers and like do research that if people have questions you know not saying we're experts but we're actively studying and -hmm. if people have questions or they want to discuss a certain topic I would love to just open it up for that and let people know that like I, I think it would be good to be able to address people where they're at with their curiosities, because it's hard for me sometimes to know what other people really want to hear about. And and one yeah. thing that came up when you were speaking was just about how Ash Trevetti talks about the age of Aquarius. And there's a lot of sort of questions about what that means. And like, I was like, I wonder if this openness and sharing information is part of the age of Aquarius. I don't know. Um, but it would be that might be like a topic, for example, that people might be curious about and we could look into. But that's just one example. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to open it up to questions or curiosities from people. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's
0: great. That that is an interesting thought, though. It, is it all is it all due to the eighth Aquarius?
1: Mm hmm. Well and I think what piece I remember a while ago I watched him talk on it and he really is as I recall focusing on age of aquarius being a lot about facts and I find it so interesting that he's so focused on phenomen- phenomenology and that's why he's so not he really doesn't think studying astrology is really that healthy for most westerners because so many of us are divorced from reality <laughs> and yeah. um Yes. Yeah, but I think I think that's an interesting. It would just be really interesting to like revisit his perspective and try to sort of see how that, because this age of communication, can go both ways. It can help us get oriented in in a social reality in a way, which I do think is very age of Aquarius or very. It has that eleventh house um wisdom to it. It's like how like really getting to know where other people are at. Um, but then there's also a lot of Um, much more ability to spread misinformation and Mm -hmm. and I think like for me what's really come up in the past week and always this is always a thing for me is like I feel like astrology it has an influence obviously Um, it's debatable how much of an influence that it has but it has an influence and words also have an influence and I have sometimes wonder if the stories we make up about our placements are creating more or comparable of an influence as the actual astrology and that's why like I think that the way that we talk about things and the way that we choose to perpetuate stories about certain placements is really important for us to take a look at so
0: yes exactly and i I feel like the whole, the whole idea now, like right at the beginning of the, the start of the age of Aquarius, where we started to have more people come on YouTube with like how to manifest or like these new astrology channels where, well, and also tarot channels too, where a lot of people really weren't fully well still maybe aren't you know grounded or they that they know the basics of where you need to begin from and so a lot of that like especially I'll say when it comes to like manifesting and like you said um the words you know people's words and and how they're describing things it really does you know people will say manifestation is is a bunch of crap like (laughs) (laughs) manifestation (laughs) is like it it's not scientifically sensible or I don't know there's so many things so many different people could say about it but
1: yeah it
0: really does like just it starts from you Mm -hmm. and how you want to convey yourself or how you want things within your life will that, like, what you say matters, basically, is what I'm trying to get at. But, yeah, absolutely. I think yes. the words, the meanings, even P, I'll say, and you, you're you aware of this, that he has um, on his YouTube channel, Lotus Ocean, by the way, guys, Lotus Ocean. Yes. He, you can look it up on YouTube, online. You should be able to find it. But he has a series with I think it's Truman the Truman show but he um he mm-hmm. does like letters through the alphabet to describe the actual vibrational and meaning oh. of each word Love so it. that's something that I think a lot of people should check out to see yeah p talk about the the different frequencies of each letters and
1: yeah I yes that sounds like such a good um a good place to be listening to P talk about vibrations it really doesn't get much better honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it might be good to kind of like talk about some of those some of those basics um but I guess I didn't want to gloss over this question of, manifestation because I don't know I wanted to like just say something about that because it's such a big for me like I'm so uh I'm so much more interested in like creating results than like having somebody tell me what's going to happen. And so I always feel like our desires really matter. So when somebody wants a reading or when they're like, oh no, I'm gonna go through a certain dasha and I'm so scared. I feel like it's really important to orient a person through their desires So, what do you want don't wait and see what your astrology says because as we know there's the tropical zodiac there's the sidereal zodiac there's various ionosis within the sidereal zodiac there's kp astrology you could find someone to tell you exactly what you want to hear so there's no use in getting worked up that you can't have what you want that is so like not the point of astrology to me Mm -hmm of astrology is what do you want and then how can we take your with the best of our knowledge take your chart and find the obstacle course to help you get there like what remedies might help you where are you feeling stuck what time period might be be most good for you to really go out on a limb and take a risk whereas what time period is better for you to kind of like hang back and do do a little bit more spiritual work you know to me that's astrology
0: Yes, absolutely. I love everything that you just said. It's really, and what came to mind was that, for one, I have Cosmic Insights, and I get the the notifications for the Horus, and Mercury Hora just started. So, you know, it's it's very literal. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's very literal. It, it's, a lot of people like, and I think this is kind of what you were getting at is that well not kind of you you had a very nice flow with what you were saying but my add on is that people will think that astrology is going to be something that isn't of isn't of help but is just a solution mm. so mm mm mm-hmm. I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's like even with talking, I'm bringing up P again. But even with talking with P, you know, we were sitting there. It was a Sunday. I have Sun in the 12th house, conjunct my Jupiter, and he was like, "Look, you know, here we are sitting here, and we're discussing astrology, and you're with your you're with your guru. You know, this is." This is all very literal.
1: So, oh, <laughs> I would love to sit with and get my chart read by P. That sounds so cool. He's. I feel like his his knowledge is so, like he's he doesn't overdo it. He he gives you like something really that you can really sit with. I feel like. Yes, yes.
0: It's not like you're going to him and you're, well, you could, you go go to him and ask him a question about it. Um, I mostly was, was quiet and wanted him to kind of tell me, I, I just wanted to see what would happen. You know, I'm like, hmm, I'll just be the observer and see what he says. I don't really want to impose myself and <laughs> I
1: don't know, but I, I yeah. I mean, well, sorry, I just wanted to clarify. So are you saying that, like, astrology also has this other kind of synchronous impact where I wanted to, like, get clear on what you were saying, because I feel like I kind of changed the subject a little bit. But um, are you saying there's an element of synchronicity to it? Or are you saying that... Um, It's something that we need to take action on because that's kind of where I thought you were going to go with that. With like, it's not like the astrology is going to fix your life if you have a good transit. You you need to actually take action. Or did I miss your point completely?
0: No, I think it was a little bit of both. Is what I was getting at, actually. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of synchronicity and a little bit of action too, because there are things in which. Okay, if I happen to have been somewhere else and I don't know, a political event or a political ceremony event, or, you know, I, there's many things that, in, that in particular, I'm talking about my son in Jupiter in the 12th house. There's many things that that could have brought about, but there are things in which if you take action towards yeah. those things in which you feel are going to be the best actions for you
1: okay that is such an important point because that's what yes it's like this transit could show up in a hundred different ways so i feel that the job of any kind of honestly of anyone not just an astrologer but the job of like a friend or a neighbor or anyone is to help us help the world get on the highest quote, like highest timeline, you know, to get mm. into a mental state and a spiritual state where we're going to be making the decisions that give us the highest possible results from the transit based on what we want. Yes. Yeah. And maybe is that, would you say that's the point of the meditation and that's the point of mantra and meditation and the spiritual practice and sitting in nature and all those basics?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. When, this is my opinion on meditation and centeration, centering yourself with your speech, with the words that are coming out of your mouth, coming out of the center of your mouth, gives you a straightforward direction with your words. What you're saying is, I want, for example, discipline, or I want to be in control of my body. These things actually align you in the best or the the greatest direction that you could have through your yeah. action.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think on it, this is bringing up also something that I think is a kind of a glossed over distinction between Jayotish and a lot of other spiritual traditions and it's just because it is a spiritual tradition there's a tradition to it it's it's got lineages elders gurus it's like this practice of doing mantra before you do a reading i'm sure independent practitioners have their own versions of this but i know for me like when somebody wants i don't like do a lot of consultations but occasionally someone wants me to do a reading and i'll do like a sliding scale thing donation based um, consultation and because I don't have a guru or anybody telling me what to do it's easy to just kind of jump in and not really take the time to make sure I'm in the best place to do that and I think that is such a important part of like the Vedic tradition because there is that understanding that like this could go in a lot of different directions and it's sort of up to me as the practitioner to make sure that I'm putting this in the best direction possible um, so I just really love that. And I think that's really valuable. And I think that's probably a lot of the issue with, you know, the downside of something like Twitter or like YouTube or a lot of the like pop astrology, the upside is it's magnetizing people. It's getting people interested. We need that, you know, we need to be fun. We need to be interesting. But at the same time, like having that centering, I guess is is a way to say that is really crucial to frankly producing good karma for yourself and everybody around you
0: yes 100 by the way i will link in the podcast description your patreon and any other links that people can reach you
1: through <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, uh, so my twitter handle is starlight bimbo um and you know i my patreon is not really like a very happening thing but if if anybody is like a big nerd and you like audio you like to listen go for it you know join it but don't it's not something where i'm not a con- a, a content creator if you're looking for more content twitter's where you need to go and it's not going to be a clean situation <laughs> but <laughs> that's
0: I think that's what makes it fun. So yeah. That that we need the
1: diversity
0: in the community.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean I just don't know how to be any other ways. So probably some Punarvasu thing, but um or maybe not, maybe it's something else actually. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking Rahu, maybe maybe Yeah, it's definitely a combined, (laughs) there's a combination of influences. I have a debilitated Mercury ruling a Punarvasu moon in the same sign as Rahu. So there's a lot happening. (laughs) Well, a lot of good things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but just to get kind of back to what you were saying with the the balancing, what came to mind was that you know, with with the internet age and everyone wanting to have their opinions on Twitter and all these social media accounts, it's it's so much of Rahu. Like it's just you know the mouth. Everyone everyone wants, it like I just picture Rahu in the head and the mouth and the eyes and it's just in your face. You know, you want to. Everyone wants to hear. Yeah, say what they want to say and have their opinions but yet you know on the other end we have kitu and what is Kitu the black hole Kitu is the groundedness or the 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 mystical I, well I can't I can't say Rahu isn't mystical but I will say that kitu' is more on the side of silence <laughs> so it's like to have that balance between those two things i think is you know yeah. that is really the the importance of knowing the basics
1: yes and i think at some point maybe today um it would be nice to do a quick um a quick version of the swarbanu Ketu myth um I think there's this really interesting phenomenon with Rahu Ketu. And by the way, hopefully we can have some guests on. There's a few people that I think would be really cool to talk to. But one of my one of our like mutuals um on Twitter is like super uh, uh perceptive. And she's always talking about how Rahu and Ketu really you can't really separate their influences fully. And I get so excited by this because I think it's true. Um they are actually at exact opposite points of the zodiac because they were supposed to be one and like theoretically our whole I kind of feel like it's our whole job here in on earth to reconnect them and so there's this like very quick rapid fire succession of like polarizing these opposite or sorry like harmonizing these polarities or attempting to which I feel like really shows up and that's why it can be so Like mind-boggling sometimes to try to separate the significations of Rahu and Ketu because even though they're opposites they are supposed to be the same thing and they help each other operate like I heard the Ketu without the Rahu can make for somebody who's having say like a spiritual experience that also looks like a psychotic episode you know where they might Mm -hmm. stop their body and you know you hear about that and it's like this is an enlightened master and yet They stop showering, you know? And that I think is because they're ketu, they're in their ketu. So they're doing great on the, I don't know, is it the etheric realm? They're doing great somewhere, but like on earth, they're not doing so great. And maybe they don't realize it, but it's like their body's still on earth. And so that's where Rahu, and I think P really talks about this in his Rahu Ketu series. Rahu is not. Bad rahu being materialistic is about taking care of your body it's about taking care of the material things and um, that's not supposed to be about greed and hoarding wealth and addiction it's just that what we see more often in our society is the rahu disconnected from the Ketu, which looks like that just chasing 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 wanting more and more more and never getting satisfied because there's that deep lack of satisfaction and fulfillment that Ketu is supposed to bring, so I feel like that's such an interesting place to start any kind of conversation about astrology because it really those nodes are really something.
0: Yes, I love the way you said that. That that was really really great. Um, yeah, absolutely. The nodes. It's the moon. It's the closest. It's our satellite. It's the way we think. It's our it's our mind yeah absolutely I think the nodes are so so important just to just just to try and sit here and grasp them makes such a fun experience because we'll never be able to do it you know it's it's always going to be that back and forth but to have the basic I'll go back to the whole basics thing to have the basics it does give you a, ba- a good balance because there's always going to be experiences for you, you know, with your transits, no matter if it's an eighth house transit or a fifth house or a first house, it's always, you know, you're always going to have experiences that, you know, outside experiences aren't up to you. <laughs> the only
1: thing that you can control is yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel so much like you're holding the Ketu and I'm holding the Rahu right now. Like I feel, (laughs) oh, I'll start talking. So ungrounded, and it's like just listening to your voice is so calming and grounding. That's awesome. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but if you feel like it's a good time for you, and we could do this a different time, but if you want to share anything like about either the basics or maybe like if you feel versed in the Rahu Ketu myth, I think that's such a cool story to tell people, Um, but I always kind of feel like I messed it up a little bit. So I don't know if, I don't know. I want to give you the floor though. (laughs) Well... (laughs)
0: I feel like you probably would be able to tell it better than me. I know bits and pieces, but it mostly comes from, and I'm, I'm apologizing first and foremost to all of our listeners here, if I'm getting any of this wrong, correct me. <laughs> okay. Correct me. But it it is, it, it's the turning of the ocean. Yes. Is that okay? Yes. So, So, basically, it's the story of the Asuras and the Devas. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so, I'm trying to get my memory going here.
1: Uh, Well, so there was some issue, like, with, uh, I feel like I don't know exactly where it begins, but there was some issue with um, wanting the Amrita, which is like the nectar of the gods and the devas and the asuras both wanted this and we had to they had to churn the ocean together to get it is that yeah. how it's there's god i know there's more to this so maybe we should tell it a different time but <laughs> <laughs> i don't tell people it's like um in my like sloppy way it's like um they wanted to they had to all basically churn together and then once they got it there was like a difference of opinion about like basically both the asuras and the devas thought that we're going to just take it for them the, the uh the devas were to like the gods was like thanks and like took it all for them and weren't going to share but i i want you to stop me if i'm messing this up but yeah no
0: i i think you're i think you're doing well i think you're doing well i'll i'll stop you but you continue and i'll jump in
1: I'll give the the crazy Gemini version and then you can correct it if it's wrong so okay okay okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay so Um, so basically they both wanted this, this nectar, this amrita and, um, the, the devas kind of had the, the power, the political power a little bit. They're like the gods and the asuras are sort of like the demons quote. They're not exactly the same as demons, how we think of it in Western culture, but they're kind of like lower caste, more not as spiritually uh, oriented. Anyway, the devas, um, were like, thanks. And like took all the amrita once it had been churned and started, um like doling it out to all of the the grahas which are like the planets and then um the the uh the asuras were like oh hell no and they like took it all they're like nope sorry and they took it for just them and um so what happened is lord vishnu who's like the head hancho, i think of like all of the um the Vedic deities, the great sustainer, he transformed himself into a very sexy goddess named Mohini, I think that's her name. And she was very sexy because they knew that the Asuras didn't have the self-control to not be like swept away by this enchanting goddess. And so um, they did successfully. They got the Amrita back. And as they were distributing it, Right between when the sun and moon, there was one Asura, one Asura who was smart enough to not be too tantalized to forget about the nectar. And that was Swarbanu. And Swarbanu is Rahu and Ketu when he was one being, a snake. And Swarbanu, just like in the eclipse cycle, slipped right between the sun and the moon just to get one taste of Amrita. and. I think it was Vishnu was like nope and like cut him in half but he didn't get it just in time so basically Swarbanu got the Amrita on his tongue and he got cut in half and that's why Rahu is always hungry and sort of disconnected and and then Ketu is the tail so like and it's funny because I told a Rahuvi in this story and he was like oh and he was like, well, he was having this compassion for Swarbanu, he's like, he's stuck now. And I had never thought of Rahu like that because we think of Rahu as being like so fast, but it's true, mm-hmm. like Rahu, you know, be obsessive and a little bit stuck, you know, we can get a little bit fixated on things sometimes. And um, a lot of addiction is really about stuckness too. So anyway, that's my, that's my like quick and dirty version.
0: Yeah, I think you got the gist of the story. Um, there were uh, bits and pieces of it, obviously, that were missing. That's okay. <laughs> um, I like at the beginning, I believe there was um some situation where they had to keep going back and forth to to Vishnu. The Davis did. They were like Vishnu. This situation is happening. We don't know what to do. Vishnu would tell them, okay, well, you're going to have to go to the ocean. You're going to have to do this. And da-da-da. And I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot to this story here. And I'm missing pieces. You're missing pieces. It's fine. But <laughs> the just is, the just is that it's Swarbani but you know and it gave me it gave me chills when you were talking about it so that's just the energy from that in
1: itself is just so yes. enthralling it the story has energy because i have a really hard time sitting down and reading stories sometimes and that story got me and every every non-astrology person i've told that story to gets like they're like really into the story even though I'm clearly telling it wrong (laughs) but (laughs) yeah maybe we could do a little try to get that right but hey at least we're trying to be accurate
0: (laughs) yeah I mean you did a great job honestly you did
1: we are all works in progress constantly constantly (laughs) truth so much truth